Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, January 12th, 2024. It is so nice to say 2024. If it, you know, a whole year of doing episodes saying 2023, it, it just rolls off the tongue better, I think. 2020. No, I well, I hate to be that guy, but 2023 was a tough year. You know, I feel like everybody's like, oh, last year sucked so bad. It's January this year. I'm going to make a new year. I've never been like that until this year. 2023 actually sucked ass. Yeah, no, it was pretty <laughs> shit. But 2023 did bring us a new national champion in college football. Michigan are the 2023-2024 college football playoff national champions. But the NFL playoffs are upon us. The wild card round starts on Saturday, goes through Monday. That is an inventive way to open your water bottle. And um, couldn't get it. The MLB offseason, of course, continues to excite. So many things going on. Today, we're talking about left fielders, but you know we can talk whatever we'd like. And then, of course, the Premier League has returned from a one-week break, and um, tons of stuff to talk about there, tons of stuff to talk about in transfers. But football, at both levels, has simply imploded over the course of a few days. In the NFL, Arthur Smith fired. Mike Vrabel fired. Ron Rivera Fired. Pete Carroll, no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. They came to an agreement. He's going to stay in the organization in some kind of role, but he will not be the head coach. And then Bill Belichick and the Patriots agree to part ways. It's a bombshell right there with Bill Belichick. But he's probably staying in the NFL, but coaching somewhere else because he's 15 wins away from the all-time record. And then um, in college, the greatest head coach of all time, Nick Saban, has retired. And the best head coaches across the whole landscape of college football are being linked to this job. Dan Lanning already (laughs) having to say, I'm not leaving Oregon. Kalen DeBoer, they're hot on his tail. I'm hearing Lane Kiffin a whole lot. He seems like the favorite in my mind. We've got talks about Steve Sarkeesian leaving Texas. We've got talks about Mike Norvell leaving Florida State, which would kill me I it would genuinely kill me if he left and we're hearing Dabo Sweeney don't think that one's going to happen considering his treatment of NIL and the transfer portal and um a billion other names I'm getting reports that Bill O'Brien is on is on campus and then I'm hearing he's not and just ridiculous stuff all I know is that Alabama has a big big decision to make here now and meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh is more likely to be coaching an NFL team next season than his national championship winning Michigan team. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't mind it if Harbaugh came back to the NFL. I mean, I think he's the Chargers head coach next season. That would be really, really nice yeah. for the Chargers. Yeah, but yeah, football in general, the, the coaching standpoint has been ridiculous, like. So many things are changing right now in football and um, to a point that we've never seen. You don't, you never see the two best head coaches in the respective levels of football stop coaching with the team that brought them to prominence. Nick Saban spent 17 years at Alabama. Bill Belichick, what, he's like 22 years in the game? Twenty? No, 25 with the Patriots? Yeah. Like that's yep. <laughs> that is a substantial even, amount of time. 
even longer if you want to you know think about his time with the browns too yeah uh, it's you know he's been around for a long long time yeah like bill belichick was the head coach of the patriots before i was born yeah same <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you know what hurt though truly ridiculous the, the one that hurts the most is pete carroll i'm it i'm does. gonna be kind of sad to see him go he's, he's definitely good. he's the kind of guy he's gonna be around i know like what's yeah. crazy is i think he's the oldest of the bunch he's older than bill and nick i think but he looks great yeah he looks great for mid-70s yeah he does he's he looks still great. out there throwing I, passes at practice yeah and taking his shirt off when he's meeting dk metcalf yeah, for the first time exactly <laughs> him and jim harbaugh have that thing alike they like to take their shirts off um it's just it's just dudes being dudes. It really is. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, this has been a ridiculous time when it comes to coaching. Cause like people are talking about NFL guys moving to college and college guys moving to the NFL. Like all of this is, is kind of running together. All these NFL coaching changes, all these college football coaching changes are just overlapping. And it's, it's been a fun time to be uh, following guys like Pete Thamel and Adam Schefter right now on Twitter because oh, it is yeah. just – it is genuinely overflowing with news and reports. Like, Alabama's already losing recruits. <laughs> it's crazy. Damn. It is insane. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll just have to keep monitoring the, uh, the situations across the nation for, for everything. But for now – our main focus is the NFL wild card round. Super wild card weekend is upon us. That's what they're calling it. That's what we'll call it. These games are insane. This is script writing at its finest. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> you yeah. have some ridiculous matchups here, um, and they seem to have been written in the stars, but we'll start with Saturday's games. Two of the most exciting stories in the NFL this season go head-to-head. Joe Flacco, possible coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, head to Houston for their AFC wildcard matchup with the Texans and C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback sensation, the offensive rookie of the year, and D'Amico Ryans, another potential coach of the year candidate in the NFL. This has been... Two teams that have been amazing to follow this season. And oh, yeah. honestly, I don't know who's going to win. Cleveland's a two-point favorite going into it right now. Um, but also, Cleveland's three and five on the road. Yeah. Which is unbelievable yeah. considering how they've played down the stretch, you know, especially with Flacco. Like, they won versus the Texans on the road with Flacco a month ago yeah um and actually i think i think flacco's only played one away game yeah he's been the browns enough. and that was that game against houston um and then of course they i i just can't believe the browns he played the, uh, the game versus the rams that they lost okay so but you know just going back to what i was saying i i cannot believe that the browns in week 18 found themselves in a position to not start their players yeah with, with everything that they dealt with, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. After Jeff Driscoll Absolutely started incredible. that last game, they started five quarterbacks this season, and they went 11-6. and six. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. 
But what the Texans That's have done right. is is just as crazy. A team that had the second overall pick, real close to having the first overall pick, but Lovey Smith kind of won that game to fuck over that organization for genuinely <laughs> kind of giving them a shit deal. Yeah. But like this Texans team started off 0-2, but a lot of people believed in them early because of C.J. Stroud. Then they start stringing some impressive wins. The Jags, the Steelers, blowing both of those teams out. And then they lose to the Falcons, who at the time, Falcons were a pretty good team to look at. Uh, but you get an impressive win over the Saints. And then another bad week, and they lose to the Panthers of everybody. And then they go on a great win streak, getting wins over the Bucks, the Bengals, the Cardinals, a loss to the Jags, which was kind of brutal, a win over the Broncos, who at the time were just the team to beat. They were the test to see if you were a good team. And then you lose to the Jets in embarrassing fashion. Yeah. <laughs> like, truly ridiculous. <laughs> um, you get the win over the Titans, obviously the loss to the Browns late in the season. They finish it out with two big wins, and um, they end up winning this division, of all things. Wild. Yeah, These, the um, two stories coming out of this game are insane. Yeah, I, I and honestly, I, I really don't have much else to say. It's just that, you know, like you said, the, the script writing is perfect for Wild Card Weekend. Th these are two very similar teams that maybe not, you know, th they've dealt with different um adversity i would say the browns yeah. with injuries and the texans just kind of you know maybe not finding consistency really uh, you know kind of underratedly it's not talked about a lot but like no run game for most of the season until devin singletary just such a probably below mid running back coming out of nowhere and actually showing up for him yeah um and i i really do think that devin singletary's run game for the texans has kind of been a really you know kind of a difference maker for them because it added Another um, element to that offense took a lot of the pressure off C.J. Stroud. And, um, yeah, they look really good right now. Both these teams do. Yeah, they do. The Browns are a little bit beat up, but the same goes for the Texans. Grant Delpit goes on the injured reserve um, ahead of this game. Uh, once again, Dustin Hopkins is going to miss this game, their kicker. Uh, but Amari Cooper going to be back in. Elijah Moore, I believe, is going to be back in after his horrific concussion. Uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, and um, you know, it's it's hard to say the Browns are at full strength because at full strength, Nick Chubb is in this lineup. Deshaun Watson's the quarterback, and um, maybe they're not this good if Deshaun Watson was a quarterback. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> what I do know though is that the defense for the Browns is the game changer here. To me, they've been outstanding this season. Obviously, Miles Garrett kind of leads the pack, but there's guys all over that field that just do work, and I, I think it's, I think they that's going to be their best chance to win this game is the defense because you're facing a young offense, a, a pretty young offense. C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, um, you know, Damon Pierce is on that team, but. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, a young head coach, a first-year head coach. I think the Browns have the upper hand there, but to me, the Texans have the X factors. C.J. Stroud can go out there and win a game for sure. He's done it ten times this season. But um, it's more than that. It's that this defense can step up for sure, and I think this Browns offense, yes, Joe Flacco's been unreal. Are they stoppable? Certainly. 
I, I definitely think they yeah, are. Definitely. Flacco's going to turn the ball over. It's going to give you good field position. It's going to give your offense chances. That's going to be the big thing. And I know C.J. Stroud can limit the turnovers. This one's a tough pick for me, uh, but final scores, I'm going to go – I'm going to believe in them. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the Texans. Um, I, I don't want this to be the end of Joe Flacco, but it might have to be. I'm going to go uh, Texans 24, Browns 17. Yeah, and I like what you just brought up there. Your kind of one of your finishing points was the turnovers. And, you know, looking back at the last time these two teams played each other, Joe Flacco threw two interceptions. He had a gunslinging game, threw the ball 42 times, almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, but he had the two picks. On the other side, though, you have C.J. Stroud, who didn't start because I guess he was hurt this game. Yeah. And their quarterbacks were Davis Mills and Case Keenum, and Case Keenum threw two picks. The game ended 36-22. to that game definitely would have been a lot closer because we know C.J. Stroud's going to throw one pick at most. Yeah. But, you know, then you take into account it is the Browns' defense. They're not, you know, they're not anybody that – they're not just some run-of-the-mill, you know, regular NFL defense. This is sure. like top two, top one defense in the NFL. So, <laughs> I hate to pick them, but I think they're going to keep rolling. I think it's going to be the Browns, and I'm going to go 28-21 Cleveland. Okay. Well, then let's get into the game on Saturday night on Peacock exclusively. A uh, little controversial to have a, a, a streaming service exclusive playoff game, but I don't know. I don't make the decisions. What I do know is that it's going to be two degrees in Kansas City <laughs> when the Dolphins come to town. Yeah, That's absurd. <laughs> two degrees ain't fun, man. Yeah, and that might be the difference in this game. It might be because the Dolphins are a fair weather team for sure. And look, the Chiefs, obviously nobody's really ever played in two degree weather. That just doesn't happen simply. Uh, but <laughs> the Chiefs are, you know, a little bit closer to that. They practice in the cold, you know, whatever. The Dolphins need the sunshine to play well. And I'm certain of that. I I've seen how yeah. Tua plays in the cold. I've seen how these guys play in the cold, and it's genuinely a factor. Yes, both these teams are 11-6. and six. Yes, both of them have their flaws, and they definitely have their strengths. But this outside factor is definitely a big part of it. I don't think it's going to be snowing, but even in the sun, two degrees is fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, especially if you got some wind, too. Yeah. Um. Now, you know, you also have some other guys like Jalen Waddle, I think, is going into this game questionable. Same with Raheem Mostert. Yep. Um, and I think the Dolphins also may have both of their safeties, if not just one. And it's it's really not looking good for Miami. Look, at, at the beginning of the season, I was high on this team. But, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at Miami's schedule. And I, they literally have only beat bad teams. And when they play yeah. bad teams, they kill them. Miami's last two games, though, you know, I would say are crucial, very telling games of how you're going to fare in the playoffs. You had the Ravens and then your division rival in the Buffalo Bills. You lose both games, and the Ravens put up 56 on you. Yeah. You only had 19. You would think that an offense like Miami would be able to compete with a high-scoring offense like the Baltimore Ravens, but Miami is just not as complete of a team as I think 11-6 and has them out to be. 
I really see no way that Miami wins this game. I agree, especially when you look at all of the injuries, especially to the defense. Obviously, Bradley Chubb, two weeks ago, goes to the IR after the Ravens game. But then, after this past game against the Bills, you have Cameron Goode, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Jerome Baker all going onto the IR. That is ridiculous. Three linebackers, literally three guys at the same position, all go to the IR. Now... Yeah. You brought up the safeties, both of them questionable, and then most certain Waddle are questionable. Xavier Howard out for this game at corner. This is not only a team that probably at full strength, I don't fully believe in to win this game, but with so many injuries to the top guys and the biggest contributors on this defense, I, I simply can't pick the Dolphins despite the shortcomings of the Chiefs this season. Yeah, exactly, and especially if you have the Tua that we've seen the past two weeks, Chiefs are going to pull away bad. Yeah. I will say the Chiefs, um, there's things for the Chiefs to do in this game that they must do to continue, you know, this season. Travis Kelsey simply needs to get the ball. I know it's it's harder than it sounds because you could just double him because Kadarius Toney's going to drop the ball, but, (laughs) (laughs) like, you simply have to find ways to get the ball into Kelsey's hands, and Patrick Mahomes has to go into playoff mode. That, and I'm I'm yeah. confident that he can. And if it was going to be against any of the teams right now in the AFC, uh, in the playoffs, it would be against this depleted Dolphins team. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, like, if we want to be fair to Miami, we can talk about how the Chiefs have, you know, also had their struggles in the past weeks too. Like, I mean. They're, let me see here, they're, in their last four, they're three and one, but those victories came against a a 10 point margin against a horrible Patriots team. You somehow lost to the Raiders by six points. And then the Bengals with, you know, backup of of all backup quarterbacks has a really good game against you. And that's only, I think a, a two point conversion game away if the Bengals score a touchdown there. And then you have the Chargers game, which was meaningless for them. So You know, the Chiefs have had their struggles too, but unlike Miami, the Chiefs are still able to kind of find ways to beat really good teams that they play against. And they have the home field advantage in the playoffs. Like you said, it's going to be two degrees. I'm taking Kansas City, and I'm actually going to go maybe like 35 to 21. Kansas City. Big one. Um, Yeah. Yeah, look, the injuries to the Chiefs do hurt them a little bit. That's why I wouldn't go with a, a, a score quite that high. Uh, obviously, for a couple of months now, or like a month now, Sky Moore has been on the IR. He'll still be out for this game. You're missing safety Brian Cook as of last week. Now, missing Jarek McKinnon and Wanya Morris on the offensive line. Justin Ross and Kadarius Tony coming into this game. Questionable. They're a little bit banged up. Justin Ross, a hamstring injury. Kadarius Tony, hip and ankle injury. For wide receivers, you don't want the legs to be hurt. <laughs> I, I can be, I'm 100% certain of that. And I do agree, Chiefs are certainly going to win this game. Um, I'm going to go Kansas City 28. No, Kansas City 27, uh, Dolphins 20. Okay. I, I trust that the Dolphins can still put points up on the board because they still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Devin A. Chain. Like, there's still guys that can make plays despite 
Moster and Waddle not being 100%, it's just they're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. Oh, and also I wanted to shout out Tyreek Hill um, for his performance against the Bills game. I, I really was thinking that the house fire would be in his mind. Yeah. But he came out and he was normal. I mean, that's, you know, he's a professional. Yeah. So I, I wanted to wanted to respect him for that because that sure. was cool. Yeah, 1,799 yeah. yards this season. Yeah, and dude, it, it's crazy because like when he was on the Chiefs, I was the biggest Tyree Kill hater. Like I was, I I was kind of like the um I, I compared Tyree Kill to Mbappe, and I would always say anybody that that's that is that fast can play good in yeah. the NFL or at their sport. But no, it, you know, it, without Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill I think has really blossomed into you know his own kind of wide receiver, not just Patrick Mahomes guy. Yeah, and I think that is what separates him for me. He you know. I think if even Justin Jefferson was healthy, Tyreek Hill would probably still have had the better season. Um, he was amazing yeah. this year. He definitely was. Yeah. But let's get into Sunday's games because your team starts it off on Sunday at Highmark Ooh. Stadium in Buffalo, New York. Steelers take on the Bills. Okay, I, I just I got to ask, is 10 points disrespectful? <laughs> It's 10 point. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I had to see where you're at on that. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I'm maybe I'm just that Steelers fan, but I really think out of all of the AFC teams that isn't an AFC North team, the Steelers have the best chance against the bills. I was very glad that we're not playing the chiefs. Fair enough. Very, very glad. But the uh, bills, it looks like it will be snowing all weekend and it's going to be about one to two feet on Sunday and 24 degrees is the high. All I want to say, all I want to say is the last time it snowed in Buffalo, we had this running back named Le'Veon Bell who had like 240 all purpose yards against Buffalo in the snow. Then again, Um, if I trust any, if I trust out of these two teams to have the workhorse running backs in this situation, Najee Harris is the workhorse running back on the field. Yeah, and he's honestly looked really, really, really yeah. tough at the end of the season. He's yeah. been playing nice. But then again, James um, Cook has been fantastic. I just don't know if you can fully utilize his skills in a foot of snow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, um, the the, <laughs> the over-under, certainly reflecting the weather uh, at 35 and a half. Yeah, but it it's just it's unbelievable how different the Steelers look with decent quarterback play. Yeah. I, Mason Rudolph, he he isn't going out there like Joe Flacco and being a gunslinger. Mason Rudolph is, you know, just running a pretty efficient pass game. Like last week against the Ravens, only two incompletions. Yeah, it was only for 152 yards and a touchdown, but hey, we still threw for a touchdown. That's something that Kenny Pickett didn't really do that often. And also we didn't turn the ball over. With Najee running like how he is and with our ability to get big plays, like Deontay Johnson last week had a 71-yard touchdown. George Pickens the week before had a lot of big catches. If we can, you know, have a very efficient kind of short pass game mixed in with the deep balls because we have talent like Johnson and Pickens, I I like the offense that we have. I, I really do. I really, really do. But the biggest factor and i don't i don't care what anybody says this is truly the biggest factor going into this game for the steelers is there is no tj watt yeah and we all know what the steelers record looks like without tj watt it's not good at all yeah i was about to bring that up and that's the big with, that's the big thing exactly and with josh allen's style of play you would think that tj watt there 
would you know be a complete difference maker. Josh Allen is a risk taker. TJ Watt eats off of risk taking quarterbacks, players that are going to try to get out or just throw crazy passes. Now I'm not saying that TJ Watt is all of our defense, but he's by far the biggest factor. He's defensive player of the year in the NFL in my opinion. And not having in this not having him in this game could honestly be the sole reason that we lose. Yeah. I uh, I I'm going to have to agree with you there because it's truly a game changer for that defense. It changes everything, changes the approach. It changes the amount of pressure you can actually throw at Josh Allen. But I think this one, once again, comes down to the run defense a lot, um, which, of course, TJ impacts for sure. But, of course, he's known as a pass rusher. Um, I still, I'm still, i still confident that the Bills are probably going to win this game. Um but I think it gives the Steelers a better chance, um, at least the conditions. Um, like, if it was clear, if there were clear conditions, I think the Bills would run away with it without TJ in there. Um, but with the snow, I'm going to keep the Steelers pretty close, uh, and I'm going to take the Bills 17, Steelers 13. Oh, okay. Um well, listen, I'm I'm still going to ride with the Steelers. I, it's such a bummer that T.J. Watt's out because I know that that's going to be a game changer going into Sunday. I'm still going to rock with the Steelers, though. I'm going to take my boys 21-17. to 17. I, I think if we keep it close in the first half, we'll start to see Josh Allen get more aggressive in the snow, which will lead to more mistakes, better field position for our offense that, you know, granted, still needs it. I'm not saying that we're a completely fixed offense. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that'll be just enough. So I'm going to go 21-17 Steelers. All right. Well, another storyline to speak about in our second game. You have Big Mike. Mike McCarthy taking on his former team, the Green Bay Packers, a very new look oh Green Bay Packers to the one that Mike McCarthy may be used to uh, in Dallas, which ain't no at home. <laughs> Jerry's world, man. <laughs> they uh, they certainly take advantage of uh, their time there. But it is, uh, I think it's a better game than some think. This Packers team is in ridiculous form. Jordan Love, Romeo Dubs. Jaden Reed, everybody. Aaron Jones has been hot. I love what this Packers team offers. The Cowboys are insane at home, and I cannot take that away from them. <laughs> that is the biggest yeah, I, roadblock. Yeah. And, I mean, you even got the the playoff history, you know, of the, the game where Dez caught the ball and everything in this one, too. It's – um. This one's going to be good, but, you know, like you said and how you kind of keep pushing it, the Cowboys, their difference maker is the fact that they won the NFC Beast. Yep. Because them having the second seed in the playoffs means that every game will be a home game unless they play the 49ers. If the 49ers somehow get upset in a game, the Cowboys, that's their path to the Super Bowl. Yeah they'll have all home games in the playoffs but you know i want to reel it back into this packers game you know I, I think it will be a better game um than what a lot of people think but also you know dallas has been known to just kind of just fucking beat yeah. up teams this year so i i don't know what to expect out of this game i i truly don't the biggest thing that i expect is points that that's what it comes down to look the cowboys have been phenomenal at home for sure 
The Packers' offense is rolling. And the Cowboys' defense, yes, they've certainly had their games that they've stepped up. But when you look at the home games and they play – uh, you know, playoff caliber, almost playoff caliber teams. I, The biggest example I point to of home games, Lions and Seahawks for the Cowboys. Lions game, 20-19. Yeah. They let them keep it close. The offense didn't go crazy, and that was against a real, like, true contender in the playoffs. Obviously, it came down to a, an interesting situation where maybe the Lions got robbed, but then you look at the Seahawks game. And it was kind of the opposite. Still a close one, but 41-35 to the Cowboys. They let the, mm. the score run up, and it, it's just this defense is so here and there. If an offense can address Micah Parsons and not let Deron Bland intercept the ball, you have the best chance to beat this team. But nobody has done it. At AT&T Stadium. That's the biggest issue. No. I, I would love to pick the Packers to upset them. But the proof is in the pudding. 8-0 at home. You, you can't take that away from them. And I don't think it stops here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going back to the Packers last game uh, where they actually had to play their starters. They played the Bears. And, yeah, they did only put up 17 points. But I want to draw attention to the fact that they still had over 400 yards of offense. They just didn't score. Against the Cowboys, you're going to want to turn those yards into points or you're going to lose no matter how many yards you have. Yeah. I mean, it really, you know, you, you can put up the yards all you want to, but, you know, if you're only putting up 17 with 400 yards, that there's an issue somewhere in there. And the Packers are going to have to address that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm thinking a huge game for CeeDee Lamb, and I'm going to take the Cowboys 28-17. to 17. Okay. I'm going to go... Yeah. I'm going to go Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go Cowboys 31, Packers 21. All right. Yeah, I think that game's going to be, once again, like we said at the beginning, much better than most anticipate because this Packers team has yeah. been rolling. Uh, but yet another storyline, sure. as per usual. Matthew <laughs> Stafford heading back to Detroit to play against the Lions in their first home playoff game. It, it couldn't have been written better. Goff no. versus Stafford. They got traded for each other. Stafford goes and wins them a Super Bowl that Jared Goff couldn't. And, yeah, look, the Lions are a beast. They are hard to handle this season. And... People want to come watch them. I think the home field is going to be a big deal for Detroit. $372 right now to get in the door at that game. Mm. There's not Damn. another game over $103 right now. What? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. This one means a lot you know to what? the city of Detroit, and I think the players and the yeah. coaches totally understand that. That's going to be their biggest asset. The fans in those stands at that game are going to be what wins the Lions this game. Obviously, they have the players and everything like that to contend with the Rams, but Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, the two-headed monster of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery in the run game, uh, no Sam Laporta 
uh, because he got hurt, but I'm still not going to take it away from him. They have so much talent on the field as well on the defense that you know I didn't even bring up, and I just think the Rams don't quite have enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think one of my favorite storylines to come out of this game was, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but the, there was a Lions fan trying to ban Stafford jerseys yep. for this game. And, um, Stafford's wife actually tweeted like that. She was really hurt by that because like he spent so much time there and, you know, they really felt like they were a part of Detroit and Detroit citizens. And now you kind of have the fans, you know, trying to ban his Jersey at the game, which I, I don't know. I don't think that's that, that's cool. But you know what? The other side of it, though, is I respect how hungry these Lions fans are. Yep. They don't give a shit anymore about their old quarterback because it's all about the new team, the, the team that's 12 and five, not the not the Matthew Stafford that, you know, really couldn't get them to the playoffs, even though he yep. had Calvin Johnson. Of course, they had other issues, too. But still, um, going to kind of a prediction in this game, though, I I like the L.A. Rams if Stafford does turn the ball over and Kyron Williams has another, you know, like multi-touchdown yeah. game. Then it's going to be super, super close. Um, but, you know, Stafford, very underratedly, I feel like has thrown a lot of interceptions this year. As, as much as he's been good with, you know, getting a touchdown here or there, and I feel like his completion percentage isn't that bad. He throws for a lot of yards usually. I, he, he's been throwing way too many picks with, you know, Puka Nakua, Tyler Higby. You know, you have plenty of weapons there. I feel like yeah. you should try to limit the turnovers. Cooper Cup. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of me trying to give the Rams a chance in this game. The Lions are just a way, way more complete team, but I think yep. the Rams can keep it close. I'm going to go, ah, man, this is tough. I'm going to go 31-28 Lions. High score. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm going to go a bit lower, uh, and I'm going to take the Lions 27, Rams 21. Okay. I, I think I think being in Detroit is going to get in Matthew Stafford's head. I think that's going to be yeah, a problem. It, it might. I think so. Definitely well, might. let's get into the final game of Wild Card Weekend, Monday. Monday night on ESPN, Eagles-Bucks, a game that, I'm going to be honest, the Eagles might lose. The Eagles are definitely I'm, losing. I'm predicting. Actually. I'm going to go ahead and say that. The Eagles are going to lose. They are yeah. so fucking dysfunctional, and we've talked about it over the course of the, you know, the past couple of weeks, but that loss to the Giants certainly didn't help anybody's you know view of this team. Yeah, and I, I don't really know where the dysfunctionality is coming from because as comes a up fan of Mont- i think it's i think it's the coaching I, but who who wouldn't like nick sirianni though a lot of people i feel like he's a fantastic coach he seems like a bit of a cornball cornball well I, I don't know he, he to me he seemed kind of like a, a just a solid players coach it from all that i've seen of him i really thought that the players liked Maybe. him but you know, that, that doesn't really seem to be the case anymore. Um, and, yeah, they – I really, really think Tampa is going to get the best of them. They I they do. are just so much more of a cohesive group. And I, I feel like they're pretty cohesive in comparison to the rest of the NFL. I really feel like this Tampa team, they're all in it for Tampa. Yeah. They're all in it for the Buccaneers. And, 
you know, you have a lot of vets that have been there for a while. Um, guys that have seen playoff games like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, you know, they had Tom Brady at one point. They definitely know what it's like to be yeah. here. Um, and, you know, this Eagles team is just kind of a little bit younger. Um, they have a lot of they had a lot of moving pieces in the offseason. It's not really the same Eagles team that we saw last year that went to the Super Bowl. Um, and I, yeah, I think Tampa is going to go into the link and get them. Yeah. No, no, this is in Tampa. Yeah, it's in Tampa. Because Tampa won their division. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. I think that's more. a big factor as well. Uh the Eagles playing on the road. They're five and four on the road. They only lost six games this year. So yeah. I, I think the I think the Buccaneers, this is their game to win. I know Philly's a three point favorite, but it, it just seems like it would be the cherry on top for how poorly the ha- the second half of the season's gone for the Eagles to just lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, um, but you know, then again, on the Tampa side, is they as much as they have been able to win games, they haven't really looked the best doing no. it. We- we've not Nine really zero. seen. <laughs> yeah, we we've that's exactly what I'm referring to. We we haven't really seen, especially here at the end of the season, of games where Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going off. Yep. Like, you know, I feel like you've had um, Mike Evans kind of like just getting under five receptions pretty consistently uh, here recently. And I'm, you know, last game, I'm looking at it now, Mike Evans, three receptions on eight targets for only 22 yards. That's not that great. Um, And Baker Mayfield didn't have a lot of passing yards either. So, but is the Eagles dysfunctionality worse than kind of Tampa's dormant offense with their weapons, I don't know. Yeah, that's But I tough. still would give Tampa the edge in this game. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to the outside of what the players are capable of, when it comes down to like the outside factors, which in this case I'm talking about coaching, I trust the coaching of the Buccaneers more than the Eagles right now. Head coaching, offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, the defense for the Eagles is a fucking mess. And it's just like, I like that you pointed out that the Buccaneers are a cohesive team. They're all on the same page. Meanwhile, you know, AJ Brown's losing his shit and, you know, the whole defense is falling apart for the Eagles. Like that's, that's what wins playoff games is like a team. That's the big thing to me. And, um, yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks, um, I think I'm going to keep it real close, though. I'm going to take the Bucks 21-20. Yeah, um, I could definitely see it being a close game as well. Um, I, I'm going to go 24-20, just a little bit of a bigger margin. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, the, I, I want to go back to A.J. Brown before we move on to our uh, top five list because, like, I, I'm kind of concerned about him. It, it It's reminding me – a little bit of Antonio Brown, but without the leadership. Because A.J. Brown yeah. did lead that players' meeting. But I, I don't know. A.J. Brown just seems very um, – like like football isn't number one in his head right now. Like I'm, I'm actually talking more about kind of like mental health. I just – A.J. Mm-hmm. Brown is not acting normal, in my opinion, at all. I'd, it, it, he's I just been know. weird. Yeah, he, it's definitely been weird. Uh, you know, I don't want to – assume things about the guy, you know, and, and what's happening off the field. But um, it's definitely been weird. I think it's also just out of frustration. The offense has done, yeah. you know, all they can. 
AJ Brown had a phenomenal season. And Jalen Hurts, yes, there was there was some games where he didn't play great, but he also had been dealing with an injury like all season. Like this offense yeah. has busted their ass to try and get victories, and there's a lot of losses, especially well, kind of all of them in the second half of the season, considering they started off ten and one. Yeah. Um yeah. that have come down to the defense. And yeah, it's I, I guess, you know, you look at some of the games in the second half of the season, you're like well, how did you give up 27 points to the Giants? How did you give up 35 points to the Cardinals? How did you give up 25 and win against the Giants? You gave up 20 to the Seahawks, 33 to the Cowboys, 42 to the 49ers. And it's like every single time it comes down to the defense, either all game getting beat or not being able to get the big stops at the end. So I understand A.J. Brown's frustration because if I was an Eagles fan, I'd be frustrated with this defense and the leadership of the defense. Like, Desai was the coordinator coming into it, and nobody had anything bad to say until they were losing, but even when you look at their wins, they gave up a lot of points every single time. You got to win over... I mean... Look at the uh, the biggest example, the two games against the Commanders. That's exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) He gave up 31 points week four. And then a few weeks later, you give up 31 points again to that commander's offense. I know, Sam Howell on a heater at the time. He was throwing for a ton of yards. It doesn't matter. That's not a factor here. But they also had games where they stepped up. They gave up only 11 points to the same Buccaneers team in Week 3. They gave up only 17 points to the Miami Dolphins just weeks after they scored 70. You gave up 17 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the way that this whole team, coaching-wise, has fallen apart here at the end of the season is detrimental. Yeah. So, yeah. especially when you're a you're a highly touted or you know yeah. kind of was a highly touted playoff team like your your season's not over. Like it's no. one thing to have all this turmoil whenever you're like, "Oh, we're not going to make the playoffs." But I, I just can't believe that, you know, I, I, these are these are professionals here. Yep. And if there is one time that you want to try to work out all your kinks and, you know, all your kinks kind of become public, I guess, it, it's not this time. And uh, to be quite honest with you, the Eagles don't deserve to win a playoff game. They, they do not deserve to have their season continued. If anything, it probably would help them more to just get the hell out of the playoffs and start. Yeah fixing shit yeah but of course i know that's not what eagles fans want and you know i feel bad for them too it's not what they deserve but um the buccaneers are gonna win this game (laughs) yeah i agree uh also fuck eagles fans because they're also phillies fans um (laughs) all right well that is super wild card weekend and then uh we got the divisional round next week so yeah things are heating up man It, it it it's one of those like you know, I'm I'm glad we're getting to that point, but I hate to see it go. You know. Yeah, and can I can I just have a message from Mike Tomlin, please? Yeah, please. All right. Um, hi, Mike. This is Luke. Um, you don't know me, but I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Um, it's been quite a long time since I've seen us win a playoff game. Um, I think I I was definitely still in high school. Now I'm about to graduate college. Um. 
now that we're in the playoffs, let's just get one game. I, I'm so tired of just being bounced right out of the playoffs. Like, you know, Ben's last game, he, we crawl into the playoffs. The Chiefs send us home. Um, I think our last win was a win against the Chiefs, actually, where we only kicked field goals, and that was like in 2016 or 17, I believe. I just I need a playoff victory. It, it's been too <laughs> long, and um, yeah, thank you. Nice. That was that was nice, um, I, dude. I swear, if we go out first game again, <laughs> uh, uh, actually, you know what? Since we're doing this, I'd like to give um, a little statement to uh, Rich McKay, the the Falcons CEO, um, and our new president, Greg Beatles. Um, I don't know anything about nice. him. I, this is really for Rich McKay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> take your fucking head out of your ass. When it comes to these fucking head coaching decisions, and let the GM have a say. Let Terry Fontenot have a say in this fucking hiring process. He should be leading this. You don't know jack fucking shit, and you've showed it with the hirings and all of the decisions you've made with the Falcons. And same goes for you, Arthur Blank. I know you fund the whole thing in your endless pockets, pay for everything for the Falcons. I don't give a fuck. I care about the football being played. I don't give a fuck if we're playing at, you know, if we played all of the football games on a grass patch in the middle of Piedmont Park, I would not give a shit. I care about a good head coach, good players. That's what matters. So if Rich McKay and Arthur Blank fuck this up again and we hire somebody that does not have the experience that makes them a head coach... Arthur Smith, they can fuck right off. Obviously, Arthur Blank's going nowhere, but Rich McKay needs to lose his job if we have to fire this coach within the next two years. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And if I'm a Falcons fan, I want Mike Vrabel because that was a Agreed. head coach that shouldn't have gotten fired. Mike Vrabel's the guy. Yeah. 100%. I'm hearing way too much about Bill Belichick. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't think it works with, like, the culture we've built in Atlanta for this team and like everything that surrounds it, I don't think Belichick works. Um, and maybe that's just, you know, 28 to three living in my mind forever, but <laughs> damn, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I, I just don't think Bill Belichick fits the mold of the Atlanta Falcons, but I think Vrabel does. Hey, can we, I, I know that we need to move on, but can we, can we, let's ask this question. Is Bill Belichick going to be too much of a culture shock to even go to a different team? No. Because, you know, when you hear about the Patriots, you think of, like, military, like, you come here to win. You don't come here to have fun. I, I have a feeling that, you know, in 2024, in today's age, a team that's never had to, you know, necessarily deal with that, especially for a long time, like, they haven't had a coach like that for a while, it, you know, it may not work out depending on where he goes. I think um, there's three teams that it works for, and they all need a head coach. Commanders, Titans, Raiders. Okay. Those are the ones that I think Belichick works. That's fair. So, um, I, I don't know which one would be the best place. Um, I know Eric Bieniemy would be pretty mad uh, if the commanders hired Bill Belichick. 
But, um, yeah, I, I think those would be the three teams that he works the best for. Yeah, that's fair. But you, you want Vrabel over Belichick, though. 100%. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good man. Yeah, I love Vrabel. Please bring me Vrabel. Um, all right, <laughs> it is time for MLB. So, we won't be going over all the crazy deals that have happened. Nothing insane. Shota uh, Imanaga signed with the Cubs, but um, we'll go more in-depth with that on Monday with Colin. For now, let's talk about our top five left fielders in 2023. So, for the outfield, uh, we've lowered the the uh, minimum games played in that position to 60 games. Uh, so, you only have to play 60 games in left field uh, because, you know, some guys start all over the place, namely probably the guy that's number one on both of our lists today. Um, but without further ado, who's starting it at five? Uh, I got it. Um, you know, left fielders, I I had this struggle of um, it seemed like there was less talent Agreed. at left field than any other position that we've done. I, I don't know. It's a normal thing. Yeah, you just you just said <laughs> that you felt the same way, but yeah. Um, yeah, at number five, you know, compared to our other top fives, he probably wouldn't have even made my like top 20, honestly, which is not to take away any, you know, of his player ability. But number five, I took Ian Happ. Um, I have some interesting stats here. I didn't write down any of his major stats because honestly, I didn't really think his batting average, home runs, RBI, or OPS were that impressive to talk yeah. about. But he still had a really, really good season nonetheless. Um, 20, uh, 22.3 K rate is his career best. And he did it this year. Um, and I always like seeing that from the older guys when they make a, you know, a big change to their game. And I think that was Ian Happ who just kind of decided to stop swinging at some things this year. Um, his walk rate, uh, 14.5 is in the 95th percentile in the MLB. He's basically up there with Soto, just not quite. Um, and his chase rate plummeted this season. And, you know, I feel like he's always been kind of a decent fielder as well. So he made my number five with the Cubs. Okay. Mr. Ian Happ. Nice. Yes, sir. I, I have a former Cub at five, uh, but not Ian Happ. I've actually got Kyle Schwarber here. Played 150 games in left field, which very surprising. Um, but it's because Bryce Harper played a lot of DH this season. Uh Kyle Schwarber played 160 games this season, which is crazy. Um, and, yeah, you might ask, Grayson, how did you put somebody on here that struck out 30% of the time? How did you put somebody on here that batted below 200? He hit 47 home runs. He scored 108 runs, which is crazy, uh, and had 104 RBIs and a slugging percentage of 474. And... Uh, if you're looking at ISO, which is isolated power, it's slugging minus batting average, a 277 ISO for Kyle Schwarber. That is the literal de- textbook definition of a straight up power hitter. Like, if you look at Fangraph's offensive rating, he was a 16.4. You look at his defensive rating, negative 26 and a half. <laughs> Obviously, I would have loved to put a guy who was, I think, second in the National League in home runs. Way higher up on the list, he plays abysmal defense and he strikes out a shitload. But the second highest walk percentage on my list at 17 and a half. Wow. Yeah. He's got a good eye. He just likes to swing. Yeah. I wonder who was first. 
Um, anyway, uh, number four, uh, I went with Christian Yelich. Uh, pretty surprising whenever I was making this list. I kind of thought that he was on the decline, which I, I think he is compared yeah. to his rookie year. But he actually had a pretty good year this year. Um, 278 batting average and a, a 818 OPS. Uh, as I've written down here, not many home runs or RBI, but he lowered his K rate from last year. And Statcast base running actually valued him at 98 in the 98th percentile of base runners, yeah, which is um, not really not someone that I would really consider a good base runner just off of how he's built and his you know just speed in general. But you know he's very very good at it, which I guess is all that matters. And his barrel rate increased from last year, so I took Christian Yelich at my number four. I like that. Uh, I actually went with Stephen Kwan of the Cleveland Guardians. I love this kid. He is awesome. He is literally, like, obviously he plays left field. He is a Luis Arias in the waiting. This is the kind of guy that just puts the ball in play, and he's going to have some seasons where he gets real fucking lucky. Because this season, <laughs> his uh, his BABIP was a two ninety four, which is pretty brutal, um, considering... What's that he, stat? Uh... Uh, batting average on balls in play, uh, Babip. Okay, gotcha. Uh, was a two ninety four, and considering his average was a two sixty eight, on base percentage a three forty, he doesn't walk, he doesn't strike out. He literally he walks nine and uh, nine point seven percent of the time. He strikes out ten point four percent of the time. That's hard to come by. Wow. Ten, you know, anywhere under twelve is phenomenal. But the guy scored 93 runs. Obviously, he doesn't hit for power. Five home runs this season. Uh, he had nobody to hit in because he was the leadoff hitter on a shit team. So he only had 54 <laughs> RBIs. But the guy scored runs. He stole 21 bases. And he managed to have a slugging of 370 without any power. This guy is genuinely fantastic. He's the only plus defender on my list in left field. Um, and, yeah, he came in at uh, number four. I love Stephen Kwan. He's a great young player. And just to add to that, because, I mean, I know we normally do our honorable mentions at the end, but he was my honorable mention, and I have some stats to add to that. Um, to go along with some of the things that you said, he actually was first among left fielders in contact and strikeout rate. Yeah which makes a lot of sense for some of the things that you talked about. So I'm going to move on to my number three, one of my favorite players all season long, Randy Arena. Damn, how could you be more fucking, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just exciting in general, yeah. Randy Arena. Uh, 254 batting average, 23 home runs, 83 RBI. Um, he improved his walk rate, chase rate, and swinging strike rate. So he essentially had one of the best seasons of his entire career, and that's why I picked Randy Rosarina at number three. A lot, Another young guy. A lot of young guys in the MLB yeah. doing well. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Randy. He's my six, um, personally. Uh, just okay. because, like, he does everything well, and he doesn't do anything at just the top level. Like he's a great player, but he's not quite the best at much. And, and that's my only issue. I love watching him play. The moments that he has are fantastic. He just doesn't dominate. And, and that's that's what at least, you know, in, in some category, people on this list dominate in something. Um, 
But my number three is Christian Yelich. Um, I valued him pretty highly here. Um, you got a relatively high walk percentage at 12.3, which isn't too bad for him. Uh, a relatively high K percentage, but he's a lefty, and um, he definitely swings for um, launch angle sometimes. He definitely finds himself doing that quite a bit. But 19 homers, definitely not bad for him. Uh, 106 runs, 76 RBIs on a, a pretty bad team, and 28 stolen bases to tack on top of it. The 447 slugging is great. The 370 on base percentage is fantastic. And, um, yeah, I just think Christian Yelich had a great year. Yeah, okay, I like that. I like that. Um, so now we get into uh, two of the greatest players of all time, basically. Um, <laughs> my number two, I, I really wanted to I make him number that. one. But, uh, well, they're just – I just feel like in this list in particular, they yeah. are head and shoulder. They're, they're feet above everybody else. Yeah. Um, and and my number two is Juan Soto. He had the most home runs, the most RBI, yeah. the highest slugging percentage, and the mo- the highest OPS on my list. Um, once again, 18.6 walk rate, um, the fourth straight season of having the highest in the MLB, which is just ridiculous at his age. I, I – uh, he's just an enigma, man. I, I don't get him. And his F war was a four point eight, which was a major improvement from last year. Um, and yeah, that's all I have. I took Juan Soto at number two, and now he plays on my team. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, he's in my number two as well. Like to have a guy that walks almost twenty percent of the time is unbelievable. Uh, there's not a player in the league, honestly, in the last probably 20 years that has walked or has had as good of an eye at the plate as Juan Soto. It's genuinely ridiculous what he does on a yearly basis. Like this guy, this season, he played 162 games last year. He missed a decent amount of games and led the league in walks. That's, that's ridiculous. And when you look at one of the, my favorite stats to look at with these guys is, Fangraph's offense statistic, which is batting and base running combined, above average, whatever. He's the highest on the list with a 44, and he only batted yeah. 275. That's that's genuinely amazing. A WRC plus, 155. 55 points above league average is crazy. Um, a slugging, 519 slugging for a guy that walks a shitload and strikes out a shitload. <laughs> um, yeah. He's genuinely a ridiculous player, and you just throw on top of it the fact that he had 109 RBIs, 97 runs, and 35 homers. It's it's a fantastic season by all measures. Can you, can you try to explain to me how Juan Soto is that much better than everybody else at walking? Like, what makes him different? He's just got an eye at the plate, and people know that you can't just Pitch you can't throw a ball down the middle to Juan Soto. He had 35 home runs this season. But it's the extra base hits. It's the ability to just stand in the fucking box, have a good eye for the strike zone, and be kind of mentally imposing on a pitcher. You know, he's got the Soto shuffle, which is, you know, whatever you want to say. But I, I think it's genuinely just his ability has kind of scared people away from, you know, giving him something easy. So is it just a rare combination of not only a good eye, but also just a ridiculously dangerous hitter? Yeah. 
So yeah, so it's not like you want to throw to him, but also if you don't throw to him, then he's not going to swing. Exactly. Yeah. Well. All right, my number one, um, and I'm sure your number one as well, uh, was Corbin Carroll, who had a in incredible rookie season yeah. 25 home runs 76 rbi 285 batting average uh 800 or yeah 868 ops and still 506 slugging for you know someone his stature i don't think you'd really you know no. think that he would slug that high but he he sure did um it, this is what's insane to me though this is where we start getting into why he was my number one both runs and stolen base totals were in the top 10 yeah. Ridiculous. He was top in F war and B war for left field. So, I mean, automatically that's kind of all you really need to say for him there. But on top of that, he was a rookie. And on top of that, he made a world series appearance and was pretty decent in the world series for the diamondbacks. Yeah. Corbin Carroll, um, hats off to you, man. It, it was an amazing season and you were my number one at left field. Yeah. I'm going to go real deep on Corbin Carroll here. This one. Well, let's hear about this. Well, I've got, I've got some pages pulled up. For Corbin Carroll. Oh, gosh. Okay. Look, <laughs> we'll go off the surface level. 155 games played as a rookie. Phenomenal. He moved himself up and up that lineup immediately. Like, he played, I think, 30 games last season. He was great. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming out of it. 25 homers, 116 runs. That's seventh in the MLB amongst everyone. 116 runs scored is fantastic. 76 RBIs is great. 54 stolen bases is amazing. Mm. And yes, the walk percentage is low. The K percentage is high. He's a young player, and um, he just kind of likes to swing the bat. Um, and, and obviously it worked out for him. He batted 285. That's the highest on my list. He had an on-base at 362, a 506 slugging, which was second on my list. Easily the best base running uh, statistic by fan graphs of 15.8. And he had the highest F war of the list at 6.0. But when you look at the stat cast, the percentiles, the guy isn't over 74% in any percentile for batting. And he's that good. Wow. Yeah. His highest percentile is expected batting average uh, in the 74th percentile. But when you look at fielding range for outs above average, 85th percentile and the big number sprint speed the 99th percentile in sprint speed for Mr. Corbin Carroll he spreads the ball all over the field he is simply the opposite of your pull hitters he's a lefty and half of his home runs went to left field that doesn't happen especially when you're 5'10 165 that does not happen <laughs> yeah. he's genuinely a ridiculously good player he, um, I think he led the league in uh, WOBA, uh, weighted on base average. Um, but the kid <laughs> is genuinely ridiculous. He hits everything well. Like, you know, pitchers threw him 1,300 fastballs this season. And against the fastball, he batted 295. Damn. Yeah. He batted 297 against breaking balls. You've had a, you know, 238 against off speed, but that's in a much smaller sample size. You, you're kind of screwed there. But, um, yeah, he's he's genuinely – he only had a 19% whiff rate on fastballs in 2023. 
it's just like it, it's ridiculous. Like, what if Corbin Carroll over the offseason was able to gain 20 pounds? Yeah, exactly. it, it might make him slower, but a lot of guys are still fast at like 5'10, 5'11, 180. Yeah. You should talk to Barry so Bonds. I, yeah, <laughs> Barry Bonds, I think, could help Barry, him out with that. Oh, yeah, Barry. Uh, oh, I get the joke now. Yeah. I, I just pictured uh, Barry Bonds like when he was younger. Yeah. I recently saw that picture for the first time and I was like, huh? Yeah. He definitely knows about the gym and probably some other things as well, but (laughs) he knows about needles. (laughs) Definitely. He's not scared of them at all. He also knows, you know, having to go up like a whole inch in hat size. Like he used to have a normal sized head and like, he's got to be rocking a, a good eight, eight and a half now. Which is a ridiculous size. I wear a seven and five eighths, and that's like kind of big. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> gotta go. You gotta go look up before and after pictures of Barry Bonds' head if you haven't. Um, obviously, before and after steroids uh, is what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's oh, uh, that's a list right there. Top five. Well, I'll Next flip week, it over to you. Um, do you? Do you have any honorable mentions at left field? Uh, yeah. Ian Happ, who was on your list. Uh, Randy Rosarena was like the number, like he was number six for sure. Yeah. Um, those are my two primary ones. Uh, Austin Hayes of the Baltimore Orioles. Very good season for him. Um, yep. There's a few others. Let me pull back up my list. Sorry. Um, let's see. Technically, Jordan Alvarez is considered a left fielder. I don't put him in this bunch. Yeah, um, he played too much DH. I was thinking of him too. Yeah, uh, Nolan Jones for the Rockies, very good young player, had a good season. Um, didn't play too yeah. many games, a hundred games. Um, Brian Reynolds yeah. wasn't too bad this season. Um, kind of got overshadowed by the fact that Pittsburgh really fell off a cliff. Uh, and then, if I want to give a defensive shout out, uh, Dalton Varsho amazing defense uh, in his first year in Toronto. All right. I like it. Also, Evan Carter. Uh, he only played 23 games this season, but Evan Carter is going to be he's going to be on this list next year. I guarantee it. Oh, the uh the Cubs guy? Uh Rangers. Right? Oh, okay. No, oh yeah, that's the guy that we were talking about in the postseason that yeah. kept going ridiculous, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy's going to be yeah. on this list next year. I guarantee it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, it's time for some soccer. Feel as though it is time for some Premier League soccer. So let's start off. Unfortunately. There's only a few matches this weekend. So Friday we have Burnley-Luton. Obviously there's nothing to talk about there. Uh, But Saturday, Sunday, we've got some good games. So um, let's start. Your Chelsea takes on Fulham at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. Um, How are we feeling? I, you know, after the Middlesbrough loss in the EPL Cup, I, I really don't know. Um, yeah. Cole Palmer actually lined up as a striker in this game, and he did have a wide-open miss. Um, nice. You just can't help yourself. It, <laughs> yeah, and then and then you have Thiago Silva, who, um, you know, with him being a defender, I think the, the Chelsea Ultras that traveled to Middlesbrough were sitting behind him at the end of the game, and Thiago Silva could hear them very pissed off at, you know, the performance from his team. Um, and Tiago Silva walked over to the away fans and he was apologizing to them, which is something that you always like to see. 
Um, but but it's it's something you want to see if your team's doing bad. But in general, it's not something that you want to see. Yeah. Um, your players should not have to be apologizing to the fans. And honestly, it shouldn't have been Thiago Silva out of anybody in this lineup. It should have been someone who's more Chelsea than Thiago Silva. But um, yeah, it it feels like honestly since March of last year, I have not really been able to give an accurate read on my own favorite soccer team. <laughs> I I genuinely I have no idea. At any time we play, anything could happen. You could you could have a four four draw against Man City, or you lose one nil to Middlesbrough. <laughs> that that's that's where we're at. I I like I don't know if Pochettino is going to be out at the end of the season. I don't think so. I genuinely do not know what's going on. I, I, um, I don't think Poch is to blame just yet. Um, it seems like they're kind of giving him a little bit of leeway. Uh, with this team, um, yeah, because you know they are still in a position to like make it into like at least the conference league. Um, you know, tenth in the table isn't absolutely horrible. You guys are still in a position of moving up easily. Like you know, get a win this week, you're talking about being tied on points with Man U and Brighton. Um, yeah, seven and eight. So, you know, it, it, things can change. Trust me, I'm going through it with Newcastle right now. <laughs> um, where like I need to stop, re- like I need to stop, like being like, okay, there's no chance, because like there is a chance. Yeah. Yeah, we're in ninth right now, but um, there is a chance going forward. I-, I think with Chelsea here, once again, the injury bug still certainly a problem. Um, and uh, Nicholas Jackson, I think his second yellow card accumulation suspension. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I liked how you talked about injuries with Chelsea because I don't think we've mentioned on this podcast about Reese James getting re-hurt. And that is yeah. that is not the guy that you want to be consistently injured. Especially, no. you know, this season he was moved to captain. He's barely even done it because Connor Gallagher's had to I take over. I think he's maybe been injuries. the captain twice. Yeah. <laughs> but he was labeled as the captain going into the season, yeah. which is unbelievable. And it, it's very worrisome that i i'm thinking that we might need to look at parting ways with reese james eventually yeah and that's that's not something that you know is very good but you know i want to talk about the other team as well so fulham been a very weird team as well look uh, their last three prim games uh was a loss to burnley where they didn't score two nil a loss to bournemouth where they lost three nil but then they beat arsenal two one um so fulham have kind of been another wild card here and you know, with me not really having much else to say about this game, I feel like there's a lot of question marks with both Fulham and Chelsea. I'm just going to go 1-1 draw. That's a very fair assessment. They did just get knocked out of the EFL Cup by Liverpool yesterday. Uh, They lost 2-1. And um, back last week, uh, about a week ago from today, uh, they did beat Rotherham uh, in the FA Cup. Yeah, uh, with the Liverpool game, there is a second leg. So, oh, okay. Middlesbrough okay. have cool. yeah, it's Middlesbrough, Chelsea, Liverpool, Fulham are the teams that are left. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um. All right, then. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Fulham, a lot of players uh, from Fulham being talked about leaving uh, right now. That's definitely gonna cause some problems. Um, uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I really like you saying 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to be the optimistic guy here for you. Okay. <laughs> that, I, I appreciate that. Because God knows I need it. Yeah. 
And then um, the other game on Saturday, Newcastle versus Man City. Not feeling good about it at all. Not feeling <laughs> good about it at all. Um, hope, hopefully Holland is still out. Doesn't help us all that much. <laughs> we are struggling, and it doesn't help that I, I was going to bring this up in the transfer news part, but, um, yeah, Eddie Howe said, nope, we're not looking for anybody this January. Not any positions, nothing. That does not help how I feel about this team right now. Um, we've been bad. Really, really bad. Um, these past couple of weeks. Three straight losses. 4-2 versus Liverpool. 3-1 versus Nottingham Forest. 1-0 against Luton. It just... It's horrible. And now we have to go up against Man City, who is just... They're Man City. <laughs> Not much else to say. These guys don't lose. Literally mowing down teams right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they haven't lost a game since December 6th. Yeah. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shit, they haven't drawn um, you know, a game I, since December 16th. I, I do want to point out, though, to, to Newcastle's point is – they their game against Sunderland, of course, it was against Sunderland, but it's still an FA Cup game. And the FA Cup, yeah. I I love the FA Cup. I think it's pretty important. Newcastle did field a pretty much their starting lineup from what I'm looking at, yeah. except for maybe like a couple guys. Um, but I mean, Miguel Almiron finished with an 8.6 rating. He was fantastic. Isak had two goals, um, and I, I feel like you know Isak has been kind of a guy in a drought here recently. So maybe this is some confidence that he can build. Um, and, and really, from the um, website that I use to calculate like soccer ratings and stuff, Sean Longstaff was the only poor rating on this yep. team. Same for me. Everybody else played fantastic for them, and it was a you know three nil shutout. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, of course, it's going into a Manchester City game, and it may not have much effect. But I think this game going forward for Newcastle, like after Manchester City, it, it looks pretty promising for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. You know, with the Sunderland match, like that's a that's a big rivalry for Newcastle. Um, you know, I know Sunderland has taken quite the dip um since, you know, what, six years ago when they're in the Prem. Um yeah. but yeah, it, it's nice to see that victory. Uh and it's nice to see us just kind of putting some goals up. Uh, I know they scored an own goal, Sunderland. Uh, but seeing Isak score and seeing uh, seeing him have a brace in this game was awesome. I know a penalty, but and Miguel Almiron with the assist and um, Fabian Cher playing good after we just extended his contract. Um, you know, Sven Botman playing well. Kier Trippier getting right back at it. He, he was pretty bad for all of December, um, but seems like he's right back in it. And um, yeah, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing when when you look at that Sunderland match, but. When you go back to, you know, everything before that, it's, you know, a loss to Liverpool, a loss to Nottingham Forest, a loss to Luton, a loss to Chelsea. Like, it's bad. Um, so, look, they, they've they got to do something here. Uh, I think you, you throw all you have at it. We've played well at St. James Park this season, and um, I think that's a big part of it. We're, you know, the third best team at home. Uh, but City, the best team away from home. Uh, the best team in goals per match. And, um, of course, they have Erling Holland, who has 14 goals this season. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's tough. 
It really is. Um, I'm going to go 3-2 City. I, I think Newcastle are actually going to have a really good game against City, but it yeah. probably won't be enough, unfortunately. So 3-2 City. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 City. I, I, I simply I don't believe in us to win, um, at least against a team of this magnitude. I, I'd love to come out and have a good performance, but I don't think we'll win even if that happens. Yeah. All right, our next game, Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur. Um. This one could be interesting. Tottenham has made some good moves, but both sides have quite a few suspensions. I I don't know why. Um Hoangman Son won't be active for Tottenham. Um Basuma, Papesar, neither of them. And then uh Manchester United missing Amrabat, Ahmad Diallo, and Andre Onana. Oh man, not Onana. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I don't know why he's I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah. Because like the last thing I knew was like he was gonna be playing like I thought he was gonna be playing in this game and then playing in a um African Cup of Nations match. Oh yeah, he was gonna play like back to back days. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know. Nonetheless, but, um... Both of these teams are in a weird spot. Um, you know, Tottenham, a lot of stuff going on in the transfer window for them. Manchester United, not quite as much. Um, you know, Jaden Sancho's gone, but what does that affect? Um, I, I do think that some of the injuries that Manchester United are facing right now, though, do hurt quite a bit. Um, you know, Lindelof is going to be out for a, an extended period of time. Same goes for Mason Mount. Uh, Luke Shaw, a little bit beat up. Lissandra Martinez, just coming back to training. Casemiro's just coming back to training. Uh, Harry Maguire and um, Martial, both um, doubtful for this game. It doesn't serve them well, but the same goes for Tottenham. The injuries don't look good for them, especially when Huangman Son's out, but then James Madison still isn't quite back. Even Perisic is going to be out for a while. Um, Christian Romero going to be out for a while. Neither of these teams um, are in a great position uh, when it comes to you know the fitness of their squads, but Tottenham certainly on the better form. Yeah, um, I, I really like uh, Manchester United giving the the Kobe guy a lot of chances. I, I think yeah, you know Kobe seeing Mario. him kind of yeah. in and yeah, seeing him kind of find his way into the lineup has been you know kind of nice for this team. I, I feel like. When you're having a bad season, it's kind of always good to try to dig a little bit deeper in your squad and see what you actually have, you know, kind of take a step away from just throwing your best players at it all the time. Um, I think in this game, uh, Rasmus Hoylund missed a lot of, uh, like a couple of open shots on goal here. I think it was this game, and a lot of people are starting to question his confidence, which is not good Yeah. Um, for Manchester United moving forward, but... Uh, Oh, and I'm sorry. I'm talking about the FA Cup game against Wigan, by gotcha. the way. I never even mentioned that. But, um, yeah, th- but how about Johnny Evans lining up with Rafael Varane? That was their center back pair. Totally forgot about Johnny Evans. Um, yeah. But, yeah, th- this United team just really hasn't looked that great either. They have just so many flaws all over the place, even, you know, with some of their better players as well, just haven't really looked the best. Um, and then moving over to the Tottenham side, they're coming off of a 1-0 win against Burnley where, you know, they played 
uh, super, super well um, against them. Probably could have done a little bit better, um, especially, you know, Pedro Poro, your right back being your only goal. Um, yeah. Not really ideal there. But um, then again, you look Richarlison, at the attack. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the attack, yeah. it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as much as I like to see Tottenham struggle, I, I just really wish that James Madison was, you know, healthy for them. Yeah. Because what a season he was having with Tottenham um, there before he got hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this game, I, I feel like Tottenham and United are kind of in similar spots right now. They're just not really doing the best. Uh, Tottenham started well. Um, kind of hit a rough patch, and then they're kind of refining themselves. Manchester United on the other end is just still kind of win-loss, win-loss, draw, win-loss, win-loss. So I'm going to take Tottenham. Um, I think it'll be a 2-1 affair. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-1 draw uh, between the two. Uh, I just... I don't know. Um, I feel like both these teams, I just can't trust them to, like, ahead i might even i might even think that it would go nil nil uh before one one just because of the goal scoring ability of these teams yeah we we rarely predict nil nils on yeah. the podcast well, they don't happen all that much uh at least as much as they used to um yeah uh your other match uh this weekend is everton versus villa um we're not really gonna talk much about it uh but it is also gonna be on uh, Everton really struggling right now. Uh, they, they came up hot, man. They were getting hot after the, uh, the points deduction and, uh, all mm -hmm. of a sudden two, two, one to Tottenham and three, one against Man City and then three nil against Wolves. Mm. Not break. doing so well anymore. Yeah. Not, not too good at all. Uh, we're now 20 games, uh, through the season. I will say, um, Sheffield United well in last place. Yeah, but Aston Villa are literally ahead of Manchester City on the table. It's right crazy. Now, so. <laughs> it is insane. Aston Villa is, that is ridiculous. Uh, been phenomenal. Um, yeah. But let's talk about some transfer news. Why don't we? Because there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. I've like, been sending you stuff on Instagram yeah. a lot. I've been, honestly, <laughs> too I've much heard. transfer news. Uh personally. <laughs> uh so I guess we'll start with this. This thing happened almost a week ago now. Uh Kylian Mbappe is going to Real Madrid, but also maybe he isn't. Uh maybe he's going to Liverpool. Maybe he's staying at PSG. I genuinely can't figure this out. I don't know what the hell is going on, but like I literally saw like five tweets in a row and it was like done deal. Going to going to Real Madrid for free in the summer. Yeah. No he isn't. He's going to Liverpool. He's going to sign that loyalty bonus. Like, dude, I don't get it. I I just, I can't keep up with this. How, is Kylian Mbappe ever going to leave PSG? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, what we need is we need more journalists like Adam Scheffner in, in soccer. To just all really we have is go Fabrizio after Romano. That's all we have. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is like actual, like physical print magazines. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It, it is it is a completely different culture trying to keep up with rumors and soccer is, because than it is literally in the other somebody sport. could say something and everybody's gonna run with it. Yeah, which brings me to like my me. next thing. Uh, oh gosh, Real Madrid are considering <laughs> a move for Erling Holland because of concerns that they will not get Mbappe. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. First of all, imagine being concerned that we're not going to get Kylian Mbappe, so we should go out and get Erling Holland. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I can't get the best player in the world. Let me get the second. Like that's <laughs> absurd. Yeah, and even that's up for debate too. But yeah. I, I know one thing, and you can attest to this with me, is if you put Jude Bellingham and Erling Holland on the same damn team, oh, man. Dude, I'm going to be honest. Real Madrid might never have to sign a striker as long as they have Jude Bellingham because he can just play the false yeah. nine to perfection. Yeah. It's it's exactly. genuinely amazing. Uh, but that's not going to happen. Erling Holland is not going to Real Madrid. Probably not, no. Yeah. Uh, next thing, though, uh, the new management. It, Manchester United, I think Sir John Ratcliffe uh, is the name. He's about 25% of that team. Um, and his management group, Ineos, I-N-E-O-S, I believe, um, they want to sell Casemiro to free up wages. Mm. I don't know how I feel I, about that. Yeah, I, I don't know if out of that lineup, I would get rid of Bruno Fernandez a thousand times yes. quicker than I'd get rid of Casemiro. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Casemiro is just more of a more of a stable player. You know, Bruno is a little bit of a crybaby and shouldn't be the captain of that team. I, I, he's a talented player, but he shouldn't be in a leadership role. Um, but, you know, at the same time, though, if you have a guy like Kobe Mano coming up in that same position that Casemiro plays, maybe you do get rid of Casemiro. Yeah. I, I don't know. Personally, I would go for Bruno rather than Casemiro as far as getting rid of players. I definitely agree. Uh, our next thing, though, PSG director uh, Nasser Al-Khalefi is uh, looking into the possibility of Karim Benzema joining PSG on a six-month loan. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, Benzema's time in Saudi Arabia has just been nothing but, I, I feel like, controversy. Yeah. He does have 15 matches and nine goals and five assists, though, so he's not been playing bad. No, but Benzema just fit in. He fit in so much better in Europe. So I, I actually don't mind that move at all. Yeah, I, I think it would be a great move for him. Honestly, it's probably the place he should have gone instead of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're seeing a, a little bit of an exodus. There's quite a few guys leaving. Um or at least trying to uh, leave Saudi Arabia. But at the same time, they're trying to bring more guys in. Uh, I haven't seen quite as much, though, which is kind of nice. Seems like they got a lot of the yeah. guys they wanted. Exactly. Um, yeah. Next thing, though, is a completed deal. Totally done. Timo Werner. I believe it's a loan deal uh, to Tottenham. Oh, yeah. Um that one really surprises me because as soon as Timo got back to Leipzig, he was tearing it up in the Bundesliga like nothing ever. Like he never left. Yep. Um, it, it is. It's more just I. I question Timo Werner more than anybody else in this party. Like it, it, I. I don't. I, I don't know why you'd want to come back to the Premier League. Me I, I don't get that. Um, he did win a championship. I mean, God knows. He did. Um, and, and I mean, God knows Tottenham could, you know, probably use him. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if, I mean, he probably will be better than Richarlison. Let's be honest. But um, definitely I'll say that. Yeah. Personally, if I'm Timo, I don't know why I'd want to come back to the Premier League. Yeah. That's kind of my thoughts on that. I think so. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's just a matter of maybe he wanted to have another chance, give it another try. Uh, maybe it was the yeah. environment. Yeah. I, could have been. I mean, Chelsea, you know, 
have messed with a lot of strikers' careers from Timo, Morata, Higuain. It's been ever since Diego Costa. We, we've kind of just fucked up a lot of people's, uh, yeah, you know, Chelsea Chelsea career. <laughs> yeah, it has been great. Um, I want to, mm. you know, take this time to to make it known that I do not think that Victor Osimhen's going to go to Saudi Arabia. I I don't think that because okay. um, I don't want to be in the same place as uh, Kavar Shalia's agent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you saw this. Victor Osman posted on yeah. his Instagram story uh, uh, directed at Kavar Shalia's agent. You are a piece of filth and a disgrace. I am embarrassed at your sense of reasoning. Dumb fuck. Keep my name out of your mouth. That's awesome. <laughs> Dumb fuck is awesome. Oh, to, to put something... I- and like those first two sentences are so eloquently worded. You're a piece of filth yeah. and a disgrace. I'm embarrassed at your sense of reasoning and the dumb fuck. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've kind of been keeping up with this a little bit on the podcast, but like Victor Ossiman's relationship with Napoli just jumped off a cliff. I, I have yeah. no it's idea crazy. what happened, but um, yeah, I mean, he went from being, winning a title with them for the first time since Maradona to now just there's no way he stays. Yeah. No way he stays. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> I don't get it. But yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, I do like this stuff. Like though. I said, I, I, oh, go ahead. I hope it's Chelsea. Yeah. Rossiman, I really do. Yeah. I do like this news. Uh, Newcastle will be rejecting any offer for Bruno Guimaraes from PSG this January. Hey, that's good for y'all. That's all I needed to hear. Because nobody else is even going to try him. Uh, PSG just yeah. has money to burn. Uh, and quite the opposite for this club, Barcelona does not have money to burn. Uh, they're pulling out of the race <laughs> for Joshua Kimmich because they can't afford him. And um, his and Kimmich on Barcelona, though, that would have oh been sick. God. It would have been sick. Yeah. But um, what's worse about that is that I've been seeing rumors he's going to go for like 25 in the summer. In Barcelona can't oh, afford wow. it. Oh, wow. That's insane. Yeah, Barcelona has no money right now, in case you're wondering. Um, they've had two other moves they've been interested in, uh, and as soon as $20 million gets brought up, they cower. I, I just I don't understand how a club like Barcelona can constantly find themselves in the financial troubles that they do because I, I thought that the whole reason they gave away Messi was so they could dig themselves out, but they're they're nope. still here. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I really don't understand. So, speaking of Joshua Kimmich, who else would go out and sign some of the best fullbacks in the world but Man City? Uh, they're expected oh, to make God. a move for him this summer. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Of course. Not of course. good. Why not go out and get a fullback that played CDM to start his career? It's almost like all of your fucking fullbacks play center defensive <laughs> yeah. or something. It's crazy. <laughs> This guy uh, is literally type, supposed man. to be the next Philip Lom, and now he's just going to be a, a cog in the system at Man City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um. All right. Our next thing, Uh. Mm-hmm. the other fullback from Bayern, Alfonso Davies, very likely to leave Bayern for Real Madrid this summer. Yeah, that's a, a good player. It's crazy that Alfonso Davies, he's still actually super, super young. He is, yeah. And, and, like, he's kind of yeah. had, like, not the best of years the last, like, this season and last season. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if you keep up with him a lot, but he uh, he was dating somebody that played on PSG's women's yeah, team, and that. they broke up, and she's, she's dating, uh, oh my God, the Seattle Mariners. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, oh, Julio Rodriguez? Thank you. Damn. I couldn't think of that Wait, guy. Wait, that's who but that yeah, is? I didn't know that was Alfonso Davies' ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Because she plays on uh, Seattle Rain or, or whatever. OL Rain. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even know she's in America. Yeah. Now. Whoever Julio Rodriguez' girlfriend is plays for uh, OL Rain or Olympic Rain. Yeah. But, um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Davies, though. I Personally... I, I think everything went sour when they broke up. I, I kind of reading into it, I don't think it was the best breakup because it was one of those where Alfonso Davies came back a lot bigger <laughs> from the off season. So um, probably not too good on his mental psyche, but yeah. uh, he's still a great player. Maybe it's Definitely. just a change of scenery. That's all he needs. Could be. Uh, but our next move, Inter Miami. Interested in another one. Philippe Coutinho this time. They want him to play with Ooh. his former teammates. Uh, Lionel Messi, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, Luis Suarez. And honestly, by the time the season starts, probably Javier Mascherano, Claudio Bravo, Danny Alves, and Iniesta. <laughs> the only oh, guy man. they're never going to um, get is Neymar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they can't get Neymar. Um, maybe PK. Who knows? I think he's – did PK announce that he's not retired anymore? Isn't he I thought, returning? I thought he was to... fully retired because he, uh, he owns that I... soccer league. Yeah. Hang on, let me. I'm gonna look this up real fast. Even though we're talking about, no, it's fine. Uh, I'm PK, interested to know. So, PK retirement. Uh, no, I'm not seeing anything else. Okay. I I thought that he might be coming back, but um. Anyway, Felipe Coutinho. I, I don't really have anything to say much about MLS moves. It's just it's crazy what Inter Miami are actually yeah. like. It's crazy that they're even able to make rumors with some of these players. I gotta, I gotta tip my hat to that. Honestly, the fact that the guys that, for the most part, the guys that have been rumored have gone: Messi, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, and Luis Suarez as well. Like that's uh, a, yeah. that's pretty solid. Kinda yeah, tip no, my cap not bad them. at all for them, for sure. But so I guess you know, Felipe Coutinho is a, a shoe in now. <laughs> yeah, you say you say Miami and a lot of money, and you're talking to a Hispanic person, you're gonna get them every time. I guess that's fair. That's that's know. the. I mean, it's a huge Hispanic hub in America, other True. than California. True. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, next move, though, a big move actually. Uh, it's been completed. Uh, Radu Dragusen, I believe is how you say it. Uh, he's a defender from Genoa. Uh, got a ton of attention uh, over this past season. He has made his move to Tottenham. And actually, Bayern offered him more money, and he chose Spurs. Oh, very interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why, but um, not not really too sure if center back is where I would have gone if I was a Tottenham. You know, uh, if yeah. I was leading their transfer, but you know, depth is never bad, especially if the guy's twenty one years old and you know is choosing to yeah. play for your team. I feel like he could probably work his way in the lineup eventually. Yeah, and this guy's very good. He's been very good at Genoa um, over the course of a couple years now. Um, and yeah, it's pretty big for him to choose Spurs over Bayern, considering Bayern offered more money as well. Yeah. 
But That's meanwhile, insane. Bayern couldn't, you know, just let him get away with it. Uh, so they went ahead and just <laughs> took a Tottenham player. They completed the transfer of Eric Dyer on a six-month contract. So it's a permanent deal, uh, but only a six-month contract. They wanted uh, they wanted to give Harry Kane someone to talk to because he had yeah Germany probably <laughs> that's that's probably true. I'm yeah they're very oh, good boy. friends aren't they Eric Thayer and Harry I Kane, think I so so. Mm-hmm. Um, Byron also looking at another guy in defense this time a fullback, um, being Marseille's Jonathan Klaus who has been killing it in the Europa League this season. Okay, that that's a guy that I do not know. Really, so. uh, French right yeah, man. Yeah, great. Who does he uh, play for? Marseille. He has been unbelievable. Um, okay. In defense. And um, I also gotcha. love using his uh, team of the group stages card on FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Nice. <laughs> um, and then uh, next thing, Leonardo Benucci's uh, now short-lived career at Union Berlin is over. Uh, he has joined Finnebosch. In Turkey. Oh wow! I'm not that surprised. Union Berlin is quickly losing everybody they took on loan. Yeah, they've been a busy. Well, I, I, God knows, uh, God knows, Fenerbahce need it um, with you know the talent that Galatasaray has on their team right now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah I, I like that move. I I always love it when legends go to Turkey because I I think that league is so interesting. So yeah, Union Berlin nice. is a single spot out of relegation. Damn. Yeah. Considering they <laughs> finished fourth last season. <laughs> it's pretty fucking bad. Um, yeah, and they they pretty much just stood there in the Champions League. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not really too sure if they actually played any games, but um I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quite a few other things. Juventus are very close to reaching a full agreement on Lille's Tiago Giallo. Um, very good okay. young talent. I believe he's Portuguese. Um, he's definitely been uh, on the radar for a few teams, and Juventus makes sense. Um, he seems like a Serie A-style player, for sure. Yeah. Um, next move, though, I'm kind of surprised by Sevilla, nearing a deal for Manchester United's Hannibal Mejbury on loan. He's been uh, quite the topic of conversation over the past year uh, for Man United. A lot of people wanting to see him more. A lot of people wanting to see him go on loan, uh, which ultimately is what happened. But, um, yeah, I'm not too surprised by that. I know Everton showed some interest, uh, but Manchester United just preferred sending him to Sevilla. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Next thing, uh, Arsenal in deep talks with Everton over move for uh, Amadou Onana. Um, that one just seems like a depth move. Obviously, um, not a lot of Everton guys going to be starting at Arsenal <laughs> um, yeah. right now. But yeah, I, I I don't mind the move. He's not a bad player at all. Um, he'll definitely find his way into quite a few games. I I feel. Yeah, twenty two years old, six four. I yeah. mean, shit. Yeah, definitely sign him up. physical player which i think arsenal is looking for uh, just kind of physically imposing players um then uh, jordan henderson might take a move to ajax to escape saudi arabia you know i also heard about chelsea for him too yeah that was a a Um, possibility i think um i think chelsea's just kind of pulled out of it um 
because I don't think they want to get rid of Connor Gallagher, um, which is kind of my next point. He's kind of at the top of Tottenham's list this January is Connor Gallagher. And I don't think Chelsea wants Shoot. to let him leave. Um, in, in that case, they wouldn't go and sign Jordan Henderson, uh, which would also give Liverpool money uh, because of a sell-on clause in his contracts at uh, Al-Atifak. Oh, God. So, wow, Hendo is really going to leave Steven Gerrard behind. Yep. Damn. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's not like, surprised. He's like, right. When he made that move, it was like, there's no reason this guy should be going to Saudi Arabia just for money. Yeah. He never seemed like yeah. that kind of player in his time in the Prem. And all of a sudden, money hungry. Yeah, and it kind of left Liverpool in a scrambling spot. You know, even I yeah. at the beginning of the season were just shitting on Liverpool for not having a holding midfielder um, yeah. for the longest time. And, and now they're first in the table. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some really high-quality takes here from yeah. second and short. Well, we're good. We're good. Um, I got next two things. Oh, Chelsea as well. Uh, Chelsea recalled David Dotro Fofana from his loan to Union Berlin. Oh, solid. Uh, and then Solid. that that guy's been making some waves in our lineup. I've I've heard yeah. some chatter about him. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Chelsea are interested in Brighton striker Evan Ferguson. He's yeah, but I don't I don't mind good. that at all. I like Evan yeah, Ferguson a he lot. Has Very good yet. Irish striker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If, if Chelsea aren't going to spend a lot of money, I would I would want a guy like Ferguson or probably not even Tony because they want to sell him for, you know, the most expensive player in the world for some reason. But yeah. um, <laughs> but I can settle with Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, he'd be great. Um, Yeah. Next thing, uh, Steven Bergwine. Bergwin, Bergwin, I don't fucking know how to say that shit. Uh, he's one of West Ham's top targets this January. Because West Ham just loves going after Ajax players. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they've already gotten two of them uh, in the summer, and now they're going for another. Yeah, I, I like that move for him in the Premier League. I think yeah. he'd be – because he's a, he's a veteran now. I want to say he's probably, like, in his early 30s. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting up there um, for sure. And I, I feel like he could be a decent signing for West Ham's current situation. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um Let's see. Okay, so this is the last thing. It's not really a transfer thing. It kind of is. Saudi Arabia uh, are getting set to increase the number of overseas players permitted at their clubs to prepare them to target the world's best young talent. Yeah, so all of you Saudi Arabian players who spent years and years in the academy, you're you're fucked. You, yeah. you don't have a spot over there anymore. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, slide over for a, a, eight, a 16-year-old Brazilian kid. Yeah, uh, that, that they're gonna pay a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. I oh, swear, man. bro, Endrick is gonna be playing for All Etihad's Academy. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's just oh, the most boy. ridiculous thing ever. It's just like, okay, so we have a bunch of money, and we can go out and just pay children a shitload of money to come to our <laughs> squad, uh, to come to our team. And um, we'll just change the rules uh, so that that can happen. Yeah, just take advantage of all these teenagers without agents and yeah. their families. Yeah, <laughs> and if they do have an agent, the agent is definitely robbing them blind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're if you're a 15 year old and you're very good at soccer and you live in like Uruguay, your agent is robbing you. 
<laughs> guarantee it. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Any other transfer news that you might have? Uh, I can check my phone real fast. I don't think I do though. Um, hmm. Go to my podcast stuff on my saved Instagram. Uh, as soon as I swim through all the Instagram models on my feed, nice. uh, I hope your podcast, not uh, no, she, she probably doesn't even know who Tom Brady is. <laughs> but I, I, I love you, Madeline though, if you are listening, <laughs> um, I have, oh, well, this one, this one's old. Did we already talk about Calvin Phillips to PSG? Uh, yeah, we talked about it possibly happening. Yeah. Yeah, then uh no, I don't have anything. The only thing that I have is that Inter Milan are actually on the brink of uh the brink of bankruptcy. Um, oh, nice. And yeah, the only the sale yeah. of Brozovic and Onana allowed them to have a like a playable season this this year. Fantastic. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Barcelona and Inter Milan, maybe you guys should uh talk to each other. Yeah, merge. Be best friends. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh I guess it's questions time then. Nathan, hitting yeah, us with more questions. He actually titled it even oh. more questions. And um, <laughs> these are some solid ones. I- I'm nice. liking them. Uh, would you rather get sacked by Ray Lewis or trucked by Ray Rice? And I have a definitive answer to this This one. Yeah, I'm definitely taking Ray Rice. That that guy's a pussy who beats up women in elevators. I- I'm not going near Ray Lewis. Yeah, no, I'd rather be in an elevator with Ray Rice than get sacked <laughs> yeah. by Ray Lewis. Yeah. I'd be much more scared of Ray Rice in an elevator than just him hitting me. Um, Dude. So, and I'd still rather get, get that than get sacked by Ray Lewis. Bro, Ray Lewis is a threat. He's got all yeah. that deer antler he juice flowing through his blood. Um, yeah, in Atlanta. Allegedly. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> killed a man. And I'm sure it was allegedly. the deer antlers that made him lose his mind. And he killed that person. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. Okay, Nathan's got us uh, a hypothetical here. Um, what team are you taking with all these players in their prime? Team A. You've got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Le'Veon Bell at running back, Antonio Brown and Jamar Chase at wide receiver, and George Kittle at tight end. So that's Team A. Team B, Big Ben, Derrick Henry, Chad Ochocinco, Tyreek Hill, and Tony Gonzalez. Mm. It's Mm. tough. Is it just A and B? Yeah, just A and B. I think, oh boy, I, I'm probably Team A if I wanna if I wanna win. I, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Prime Patrick Mahomes that'd be kind of ridiculous. Um, of course, even I can admit Prime Big Ben does not compare to Prime Patrick Mahomes. In, in fact, we may have not even seen Patrick Mahomes in yeah. his prime yet. Um, That's a good point. So, I. I I think I would probably have more fun watching Big Ben play quarterback, but Team A is going to win so many more games. Yeah, I, I think what Team B has on its side is um, I personally think the receiving core works the best. Um, Chad Ochocinco, Tyreek Hill, Tony Gonzalez over A.B., Jamar Chase, and uh, George Kittle. Um, yeah. I'd probably take Team B's receiving core, but – Mahomes is ridiculous, and I, I think as crazy as this sounds, prime Derrick Henry, prime Le'Veon Bell might be a toss-up. Depends on what you're looking to do. 
Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I like, think when you Le'Veon think of Bell, like, prime Derrick Henry is great, but he needs the carries. And prime Le'Veon Bell doesn't necessarily have to have the carries. He can get passes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Le'Veon Bell adds more to your to what you can do on offense with him than Derrick Henry does. Derrick Henry is yeah. very one-dimensional. He's very good, but he's very one-dimensional. While Le'Veon Bell could block, receive, run, he could really do it all. Yep. Okay, so the next one, I'm not too sure on how familiar you might be with it. Oh, gosh. What was your favorite sports science episode? Did you ever watch sports science? Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely the, the two that come to mind, number one is definitely our role as Chapman. Um, yeah. That was a very interesting one because he, I mean, he really is just, he throws the ball different. And I think at the end of that episode, they called him potentially the hardest throwing human of all time. Just picture mm-hmm. that the hardest throwing human of all time. Yeah. That's just a ridiculous thing to say. Cause you got to think like, you know, back when there were mammoths to hunt, there were probably some, you know, natives that could throw spears really, really fast. So yeah. to say that Aroldis Chapman is probably, Throwing harder than guys that are hunting for food is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but the, the other one that I can remember is um, is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. They, yeah. they had a sports science on him, and they were talking about like how unusually large his hands are. And it makes perfect sense when you go back to 2014 or 13, whenever he did this. Yeah, And it's like, well, yeah, of course, if he's wearing the stickiest glove on planet Earth matched with massive hands he's going to catch the ball and i just thought that one was interesting too so yeah. odell and a role to chapman sports science yeah i i really liked <clears throat> um the I'm trying to remember um oh lonzo ball uh passing a basketball through a moving car that one was sick oh wow. <laughs> that was a cool one um and i'm trying to remember i know <clears throat> there was um there was a one about swimming, uh, and I think it was kind of about Michael Phelps. Um, I can't remember what it was about, but that one was cool. Um, yeah, probably those two are like the big ones. Okay. I know they did one like more recently about Tyreek Hill and like what makes Ooh. him so fast. That one's very cool. Yeah. Um, okay. For sure. That <clears throat> I'm gonna have to cool. watch that one. Yeah. Yeah, My- Michael Phelps. In my opinion, you know, going how you just mentioned him in a sports science, I I think he is probably one of the most underrated athletic looking people of all time. He is a freak of nature genetically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he definitely is. Okay, so there's a follow-up for this, though. Um, Who would you want to be on sports science and what aspect would it be about? Oh, that's such a good question. I don't know what got Nathan thinking about sports science, but I'm glad he was. Yeah. Um, do you have one here? I'm still um, kind of thinking. I'm trying to think of some because, like, there's definitely, like, some funny <clears throat> ones, um, you know, you could do. Uh, maybe, like, uh, just looking at the science behind, like, Bill Belichick just smashing headsets. Um, <laughs> that would be fantastic. How about one Soto and walking? That would be like cool. do like a sports science on his eye coordination or something like do an eye thing. Yeah, that would be wild. That'd be sick. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Um, 
Like obviously it's fun to Maybe. just like the the physics involved with baseball are always ridiculous. Um yeah. maybe like looking I, at thinking... maybe looking at um like this is going I'm going to sound like a fucking nerd. Um looking at the differences between each year's baseball. That's often it's often a hot topic. Um every year there's a like they essentially make a new baseball every season for the MLB. Okay. Um and they don't say it changes. But it seems like it changes. Um, and I would love to see that play out. Like, take a baseball that was used in, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, like, all the way up to now, and see how different they are. Because, like, there's years where, like, it almost reflects in the statistics of these balls are juiced, these balls are dead, you know, whatever it may be. So that would be interesting. Yeah, maybe um, I know I'm once again kind of sticking with baseball, but just just have Ellie De La Cruz go on there and stand. Yeah, just have him do yeah, a couple drills and figure out <laughs> what the fuck. Like, I mean, you know, someone that's his size and moving that fast, and also is just he can throw hard, he hits hard. Yeah. He's you know, like I said, super tall. Like he's just kind of just look at all parts of his game. I feel like would be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, next question. What are your favorite or least favorite memories of Nick Saban and Bill Belichick? Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I gotta remember what some of Nick said Nick Saban's speeches have been awesome. Um, yeah, I, I would go with like some of Nick Saban's most memorable speeches. I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is the one. My my favorite by far um he, uh, a while ago they played georgia southern um and he said they ran through us like shit through a tin horn that's <laughs> unbelievable um damn least favorite memory of bill belichick probably spygate yeah probably 28 um, to 3 <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably 28 to 3 um do i have any good memories of these people honestly nathan not really um i don't there there's always like a good belichick uh, for both of these guys there's always like a moment when like they're winning a game and you get that smirk because these are two guys yeah. that it was like <laughs> it was it was uh, a big thing if like they were laughing or if like they were smiling yeah like a, a good yeah. smirk out of either of these guys it was a, just a good memory. Yeah. Um, anytime Julian Edelman talks about Bill Belichick is always hilarious. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I really got for that one. Okay. That and, was a good um, question, though. Very relevant. Obviously, the season isn't even over yet for you, but um, what's your way-too-early record prediction for the Falcons and the Steelers next year? Obviously, I'll do the Falcons uh, if you'd wow. like to uh, take over the Steelers. Uh, I think the Steelers, um, I, I'm going to go like 11 and six, 10 and seven again. Okay. Um, and then if I were to give the Falcons one, I, I think I would probably, I, I would give them 10 and seven for the Falcons. Gotcha. Let me see who the fuck yeah. are even playing next year. Uh, the Steelers at home. I know that. Cool. Yeah. I have to try to go to that game. Second and short goes to the Steelers Falcons game. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, yeah, let's see. Panthers, duh, Saints, duh, Buccaneers, yeah. Okay, so we play 
the Cowboys at home. That's a loss. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck this team's going to look like next year because we might we'll probably have a new quarterback, a new head coach, of course, new offensive coordinator. This is going to be a very different Falcons team next year. Um, I'd say we'd lose to the Cowboys, beat the Giants, beat the Chargers, maybe. I'm going to say we beat the Seahawks since Pete Carroll's gone. I'm going to say we beat the Steelers. Fuck it. Um, we'll, Y'all we'll, haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, we'll lose to the Chiefs. Um, I'm going to give us a good 9-8. 9-8. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have the yeah. easiest schedule next year. That's fair. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. That's all the questions. Luke, did you enjoy yourself today? Yeah, this was a really fun episode. Yeah. Um, At some point yeah, during the episode, you've been sitting in the dark. <laughs> Just like a yeah, I don't know. On your head. I, I think the the camera definitely is making it darker behind okay. me. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know why it's doing that, but yeah, I like I, there I was at one dark. point like it looked fine, and then like I look over and you're just yeah. in the dark. Well, you know, it's it's <laughs> January in Georgia, man. The sun sets at like That's three p.m. A good so. point because it was definitely light outside <laughs> uh, when I started recording, and now it's not. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that was a fantastic episode. Of course, NFL playoffs going on this weekend. Um, you know, tons and tons of stuff to pay attention to. Um, you know, so much talk in college football about head coaching, um, so much talk with the transfer window and all that, a ton of more signings to be done in the MLB and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll leave you guys with that. And, uh, Luke, anything for the people? Y'all like how I turned on my light just now? Look how much better Perfect that timing. Yeah, Perfect timing. Really Two good. hours in. So... <laughs> All right, guys, wild card weekend. <laughs> yeah, let's just fucking restart. Um, oh, all right, guys. Well, enjoy oh, all of the football. Enjoy all of everything and um, this wonderful time for sports news. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Go Steelers.